Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast. I'm Joe Bullmore, the editor of Gentleman's Journal, and my guest on today's episode is Freddie Blackett, the founder of Patch Plants. Freddie set up the company back in 2015 after discovering that he couldn't find any decent houseplants that would survive on his small balcony in suburban London. And since then, Patch has become the purveyor of a very particular millennial status symbol, dragging the houseplant from its 1970s doldrums and transforming it into a cultural phenomenon all of its very own. This is a classic startup story, a neat, disruptive idea, loads of hard work, some lovely branding, and then success. Although, as Freddie explains, it's never quite as simple as that. And in a very fun episode of the podcast, Freddie tells us how caring for houseplants spurred an existential crisis in him, why the unpleasant taste of Red Bull is oddly inspiring, and the overlooked secret to keeping your own houseplants alive forever. Enjoy! But before we begin, I'd love to tell you very briefly about the Gentleman's Journal shop, our new men's style destination full of the independent brands that we love. You can find it at shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. That's shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. Head over there for special, unique releases from a fine curation of brands and plenty of picks and pointers from people in the industry who really ought to know. I'm sure you'll find something you love. Freddie Blackett, thank you so much for joining us on the Gentleman's Journal podcast. We're also joined by what sounds like a masonry drill, but this is what happens in Mayfair. This is London, baby. Yeah. Um, but you, of course, this is, I'm going to do a good segue here. Go You're a man who brings harmony to homes, I not so. noise. Does that work? You are the man who's brought houseplants to many of our lives, yeah. uh, which is a subject I'm fascinated about because it's this kind of millennial cultural phenomenon that seems to re-blossomed, re-bloomed, mm-hmm. if you will, um, in recent times. So can you tell me the kind of potted history of the houseplant? There's another pun there. Um, if that's not putting you on the spot too much. Of the houseplant in general? Yeah, of people yeah, having sure. plants in, in their homes, I guess. Well, um, okay, let's go back millennia. No, not quite that far. But, um, you know, most of these plants are tropical plants. So most of them come from um, Central America or um, equatorial regions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And others come from slightly more desert regions. So cacti and succulents you think of, you know, those are plants that typically don't really need a huge amount of water, but they do need a lot of, lot of sun, a lot of, and they, you know, they're used to very dry conditions. These houseplants became very popular in Victorian times. Right. Um, and then went away a bit. And then I think became quite popular again in the 60s and 70s. So you might see cheese plants. Cheese plants. Yeah. Then you've got <laughs> things like um, uh, shamadurias, as, as, as we call them, Sharons. What do um, they look like? They're kind of. They're slightly more, they have these nice arch fronds. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, they, I guess they kind of have that kind of 70s vibe to them a bit. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of. A lot of people, and I'll come into the kind of the audience that I think we address well in the moment, but I think a lot of millennial audience, yeah. they'll speak to their, their mum, their dad, and they'll almost, you know, tusk at them for, yeah. uh, for houseplants. So, oh, that was, you know, something that we did back in our day. Yeah, that's exactly what my parents say to me when I'm they sure. see my houseplant arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I'm sure they look at it, you know, very impressed by no, this, I hope so. this collection of plants yeah. you gathered and, gathered and now look after and missed on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, <laughs> quite right. Yeah. Um, but but now I get you know I, you know Patch started in 2016, um, and really what we observed was that there was a group, you know, the younger group of the younger demographic were being uh, neglected quite badly mm. by the gardening industry in inverted commas. Um, so the gardening industry kind of increasingly moved out of urban centres as more and more people were moving into those urban centres. So if you think that, you know, these spaces, these garden centres require quite a lot of space, you know, and if you're a a landlord of that space, are you going to make more money turning that into a block of flats or selling petunias? Um, And, you know, you can see that in in places like Wandsworth Roundabout in southwest London, where there used to be a B&Q and there used to be a home base. And now those those have both been flattened. For those massive uh, fire And they're about to be turned into, you know, a much needed luxury block of flats in London. There's still a McDonald's drive-through there. There is. So as long as that's there, I'll be okay. So that that brings us to kind of now then. And when did you start to notice, I don't know, a renaissance before you started Patch in people bringing plants into their own homes? Is it just as we've 
I suppose, not being able to afford such big gardens and things these days in London. Yes, yeah, so I think there's some kind of some macro trends behind it. As I, said, I, I think urbanisation is a, is a big part of it. Yeah. So, you know, we're inc- increasingly living in these quite quite concentrated yeah. cities, and we're spending more and more time indoors. Um, you know, I think there's some stat that we spend something like. 16 to 20 hours a day indoors nowadays right especially Damn. those those of us who live in in yeah. those major cities yeah and if you do have a one of those those flats that we think of in a high rise you know you might have a little bit of a balcony but mm-hmm. you know, typically you don't have that much access to, to green space and and we are i should say very lucky in somewhere like london where half of the city is is actually green space yeah but you know that is a, a general global trend that more and more people are living in cities um I think there's also this well-being trend, right? That people are are keen, as, perhaps as a result of the, those daily stresses that we're all experiencing and mm. having spent so much time in the office, etc. That people are looking to find ways to to look after themselves better, yeah. both mentally and physically. Of course. And plants are a great way of doing that. You know, tending to those plants, having something to look after, yeah. having something that responds to your uh, your contribution, hopefully in a positive way, right? Hopefully. When you water it and, it and it perks up, yeah. Um, and also something that that grows. That you see a, a you know something, uh, you know, a bit of fresh growth on a on the morning after you've watered it is, is you know really quite life affirming. Yeah, I wanted to put too big a deal on it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And um, and so I think there's that, but but there's also this design trend as well, which I'm I'm sure is 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 true, which is which was what was one of the driving factors of the Victorian mm. side of, um, uh, trend and, and this one in the 70s, uh, which is that, you know, we're coming out of this age of minimalism. You know, we're sitting in this room today with, <laughs> you know, a very maximalist vibe to very it, right? Very much so, um, yeah. And I think this, you know, personally is, is probably veering a little bit further than what I'd be comfortable <laughs> with. But, yeah. um, but, you know, it is certainly true that people are, are getting more comfortable with bringing yeah. color and different textures and shapes into their, their home design. Absolutely. Rather than these very black and white yeah. vibes that we used to do Scandi, in the noughties. simplicity, yeah. Exactly. And I think Patch was in, in some ways very lucky in our timing when we launched. We were the first brand really to offer what we did at, yeah. at scale. But I, you know, I also like to think that we were a driving factor in, in it, making are. people aware of the value of bringing plants into their home. You know, for a long time, half of our customers had never bought plants before. Of course. We're now a little bit more developed. And, and well, while a good chunk of our customers still are new to plants, we, we try to serve a, a broader range of customers. But, yeah. um, so I think we, we got a bit lucky, but we were also yeah, a, you're a part of, of it. We we're also part of it. Yeah. Of course. So were you very green fingered when you were growing up? Was six year old Freddie out there with the trowel, the mini Monty Don. <laughs> uh, I would love to say so, um, but uh, no, 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 in short. Um, maybe I, you know, I could like embellish uh, this. Oh, everyone does. Embellish this, 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 what is true, which is that my first paid job was in gardening. Okay. Oh, was, that's great. Yeah. So I can, I can maybe What kind of gardening up. were you doing then? I mean, so this is where it kind of slightly falls apart. Okay. But my next door neighbour, um, they were they were Canadian, and so they went back to Canada every summer holiday. Yeah, and they would ask me to go and water their plants for them. And you know they were, you know they were out there every day when they weren't in Canada, looking after these plants, okay. and they trusted me with their garden. Bloody hell! And uh, you know I made a right mess of it. Did and, you? Yeah, and they still paid me, but I'm you know I'm sure they did it through. Like, How old were you then? I was probably you know in my maybe in my early teens, 10, okay. 11, 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, and you know, for a bit of pocket money, going more to their plants. But I, I spent most of their time in their climbing frame, I think, just <laughs> you know, chilling out. Um, what did you do wrong? Did you overwater? No, underwater? I underwater. Underwater. So underwater. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I think I left the hose on one night as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I right. made a right mess of it. So, <laughs> so no, my, you know, I have very, or had very little botanical experience yeah. when I started Patch. But I also think that was part of my, without trying to kind of, um, you know, big myself up too much, but like part of the my strength as a yeah. founder of the business was that I was coming to the category afresh. Um, of you know, we did we did things when we started Patch, which I don't think many horticulturalists would be comfortable doing. You know, giving give, we give our plants what some people might call silly names. We call yeah. them easy, memorable names, um, and uh, you know, putting a lot of effort into the imagery that we use to market these products. They, they, we think of them as design items over and above everything else, and yeah, so. Yeah. We, we lean on that type of influence. We look at, you know, great brands like Made and how they market yeah. their products and think, okay, well, how could we use the same eye for what we do at Patch? So I think I think the fact that I am not botanically trained and I am as obsessed with plants now as any of our customers, okay. but you know, that I wasn't when I started it, I yeah. think it was probably a blessing 
other than a cat. Definitely, definitely. The outsider's eye. I want to go back to the, the founding story in a second, but mm. just on a point you made there, the world of gardening, of horticulture, I suppose we'd say, yeah. can be quite grand and austere from the outside, at least, and, and intimidating. Latin yeah. names, you know, such a wide variety of plants and ways of looking after them. Have you ever had any pushback from from the old guard? Does anyone ever say you're corrupting the beautiful world of gardening? I th- I used to think that we would, and we yeah. th- we definitely have. There are some people who turn their nose up at Patch. Mm. That's fine, by the way, because yeah. you know we're very clearly positioning for an audience that we know is not everyone. Of course. Um, but actually, I, I have noticed in the last couple of years how welcoming some of the old guard have been to us. Mm. Um, the RHS, for example, offered us, uh, we, we, we exhibited at the uh, uh, Chelsea Flower Show last oh, nice. year. Wow. They, they awarded us a, a medal. And I think they recognised that we are a part of the future of okay. their category, right? yeah, of, of course. The, of the industry, which is that, you know, millennials will one day become their kind of sweet spot customer. Definitely. Right? And that we are trying to, you know, that as a business, as, as a brand, we're positioning ourselves at the beginning of someone's lifetime with plants. Yeah that um, really they could they could do with kind of lending us some support. And, and likewise, we, we offer them our insight and perspective yeah. uh, alongside that. So individually, yes, we find cases where people of course. come to us and, and like I say... That means you're doing us. something right, probably. But I think, yeah, yeah I think as we've, as we've gathered some scale, yeah. I think people have begun to notice us and, and realise that actually this is maybe more than just a, a passing trend. And yeah. actually this is something that is a bit more meaningful. Definitely. We should help out on. So your background, you started out in branding after university, if I'm right. You worked for a branding agency. That's right. Um, I started out, before this was in advertising, and, and used to work okay. at a branding agency for a bit as well. So we've got something in common there. Um, and it's a great fun world, isn't it? Yeah. And it's very good because it gives you lots of kind of quick little tasters of different it things does. and different creative stuff, which you can pinch and borrow and steal from elsewhere. I think I'm still stealing, probably <laughs> now. But how did you then get involved in plants because it doesn't seem like a, a natural move really no i guess not but i but i do think that the one of the big problems that we solve as a business is around brand yeah um but yes i spent four or five years in branding my my whole family is in branding it's kind of in my blood wow. my dad uh, named lots of products really um, can you and, tell us some of them i'm obsessed uh, with product names well i don't i don't <laughs> well i he, he'd probably be a bit more modest than me <laughs> on it but it, I, I know he was involved in things like um viagra was a product he named <laughs> really yeah that is an amazing claim to fame hobnobs was one which i used to uh, i i used to you know uh, tell people about when i was growing up and you know <laughs> hope that that might give me a bit more street cred <laughs> really he invented the name hobnobs well he was you know part he was of the, part of it part of the team god take that that is brilliant the, the those idea two then, things viagra and hobnobs are I yeah. mean, that's all you need, really. They no, are. It's a very broad spectrum. <laughs> yeah. very, very broad. Names what like a man. Mondeo is the name of his. Okay. And so he, wow. he, he was he was in that world and spent an amazing 25 life. years working for a, a big agency, which okay. um, which he well, which my godfather founded and he worked at for a long time. And then I, when he retired, I I tried to get an internship there and, um, <laughs> and it took me a long time. This is kind of, uh, you know, when quite rightly nepotism was, was on the wane. Yeah. Right? And, um, they thought no chance back yeah, here, Junior. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, uh, but I spent some time and, and, and worked on a few projects there and, and worked on not quite as broad a range of mm. things as Viagra and Hobnobs, but worked on things like, uh, worked on the repositioning of Cancer Research UK, mm-hmm. a brand, um, worked with a big FTSE 100 company called Sage and, you know, was, within three months of me joining, sitting on meetings with the exact yeah. committee of that business and Great. flying around the world, um, getting a huge amount of experience and insight into uh, not, not just branding, but but also um, business development and, and cool. strategy. And then worked for another agency that um, that was run by the, the chair of, of the company that I originally worked for. And um, they kind of they brought a few of us over to their little independent agency. And then I, I uh, alongside that, I moved in with, Clemmy, at the time my girlfriend, now wife, mother of my three children, uh, into her flat in um, in Hammersmith. And I don't know if you've had this experience, Joe, but um, moving into your significant other's space is very different from okay. moving in with your significant other. And crafting it space. together. Exactly. Okay, right. You know, you, 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 you <laughs> you're the outsider, that. the invader. Well, oh, sorry, wrong, exactly. wrong week. Wrong week, you talk about that. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe, you're right. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but yes, I was I was exactly that. I was the outsider, and and you know you come in and you're 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 trying to find room for your family photos, for yeah. example. And to do that, you're having to move her family photos maybe 
off the uh, the windowsill or, or okay. you know just nudge them along and obviously that kind of gets a reaction yeah so I you know I was struggling to put my stamp on it and then and then looked at the balcony and thought well this is this is a bit of a dump so uh, <laughs> how can I how can I try and uh, jazz it up a bit okay. and uh, you know it was like right I'm gonna take a weekend for it I'm gonna go and get some plants and uh, I'm sure it'd be a piece of cake and just found that the the experience yeah of the of the market for a, a newbie was just astonishing when I put my like my brand consultant hat on it right you what were the into, options then you've got well the options were that there was a local garden center to yeah. me uh, at the time was was that walkable though could you get to that in, more or less walkable yeah. but, I, but but you know you have to bring a trolley back with all yeah. the stuff you bought but it, it, it had recently shut down and anyway oh. <laughs> so then you're then you're off to uh, one of those DIY stores and one yeah. roundabout that I mentioned and and you know they're, they're not specialists right so they're not no. there they can't help you off they're, they're, they're running around trying to sort out someone's whatever yeah. it is sure. MDF order over yeah. there, and, yeah. and they don't really have the experience of you know should you be should you be getting a heuchera for this space or should you be getting some okay. petunias right yeah and the product's not always of great quality or you know it's it's sometimes got yellow labels on it and stuff like that right and then you, I thought well of course I can go online but there's just when you go online you're, you're greeted with basically online versions of these yeah. of these stores yeah. so. They're positioned for an older demographic. They're positioned for people who are who measure their outdoor space in acres, not square feet, right. if at all, right? And so I've just, I was just like, in the end, I had bought some. I did manage to get some plants from another local space, got yeah. an absolute arm and a leg, and you know they just went in decline almost immediately. And realised these are the little agapanthuses, and realised that those agapanthuses were totally inappropriate for the space that I had. Okay. And and when I looked back at it, I just thought I've gone into this experience with so much enthusiasm and excitement. Yeah. And yeah. I'm a kind of a mature grown up now. I'm doing up my yeah. space. I've moved in with my girlfriend. And then coming out the other side, full of this shame, guilt. Like, and, and we spoke with, um, when, when we started Patch, we spoke with you know, dozens and dozens of, of people who I thought were in and around the yeah. demographic we're looking to target. And we spoke to this one woman and she said, you know, she had a similar experience. She said, if, you know, if I can't look after the plants, how am I meant to look after a baby? Right? Oh my God. And it gets quite existential it does, quite quickly. It does get quite existential, especially when you forked out a lot of money on it. And yeah. so I, you know, I just looked at it and I thought, you know, there's, there are clearly two big opportunities mm-hmm. here. There's one is why is there nothing online that is half decent? And the other is why, why is there not a brand that speaks to me? You know, yeah. speaks to an urban, a, a less experienced a customer and I thought well I I don't really have a clue how to do the online bit but I think I can build a brand out of it right and thus patch was born I actually took it to my boss at my brand consultancy I said do you want to invest in this and he said I'd love to but you know it's uh you know I've got other things to do right <laughs> and he very kindly you know gave, gave me some time to try and build it while I was also working with my clients okay. and was very kind enough as well when I when I raised some investment to let me leave without too much of a fuss so yeah thus the business was born okay and so what, with your branding hat on at the start, what were your other names? Did you go to your dad for a name? I didn't actually, know. And maybe it was out of a sense of kind of, I'm going to show you <laughs> I can do this myself. There were two. There was Patch and uh, Shed. And Shed just, just wasn't as good, I no. don't think. But Patch, was, Patch is a good name because uh, all of the trademarks, you know, the trouble with naming actually, Joe, is like you come up with a great name and yeah. you realise you can't trademark it. Um, nowadays, you know, it's very, very hard to get a name which, you know, no someone doesn't own somewhere yeah. else. And in the gardening category, patch actually has a very different meaning. So, you know, there's a product out there called Patch Magic, which is actually basically re- referring to the yellow patches that a fox might leave on the oh, lawn. Okay, right? okay, right. Those so, patches. Yeah. So they have a, a slightly different meaning for that traditional gardener. Whereas yeah. for people like you and me, I, you know, what it's trying to convey is this meaning that, you know, everyone has their own space that yeah. they can call their own, their, their own your patch, patch yeah. and a space to put some plants. And, you know, I don't, I, it, it just didn't really have a relevance, I guess, yeah. in the category. And so we managed to trademark it. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's just one of those names that I think people remember, which is ultimately what you're trying to do in your marketing is yeah. when you're in that category, when, you know, we're trying to ask someone, invite someone that when they are in the category of buying plants, mm. they think of us. So you've, you've got the name, you, your boss is very kindly letting you work on it alongside your other job when did you decide then you'd make the leap and do it full time and had you secured some money at that point did you know that there was going to be a little bit of runway for you to make things work yeah yeah so i was i've had a bit of a kind of turning point in my in my life i guess how old were you then you were i was 20 i was 28 i I think so i just proposed to to clemmy 
and we were due to get married that year. Okay. And um, so you need to be the proper grown up now, yeah. Exactly. And you I thought, well, this is it's kind of this is a really good time <laughs> to have a spin at this. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got, frankly, like quite low confidence in it. It's you know something that I I, I have a hunch is going to work, but I've okay. got no data behind, right? Apart from some observations that I've made of the market firsthand and some data that I've managed to get from yeah. some research. Um, but I took it to uh, a venture capital firm in London called Forward Partners. I met some great guys there and, you know, they are really good venture, capital, venture capitalists in that they take early punts. You know, they, yeah. I, I brought quite literally two pieces of paper with me. One was the logo and the other was uh, a table with the market as you know, different, yeah. different segments of the gardening market. Wow. Kind of where I thought they, those, those segments weren't being very well addressed. That's so interesting because some... I mean, the received wisdom is that if you're getting institutional funding like that, you need a, like a rigorous long deck that's been done. And I think that puts yeah. a lot of people off trying to get that and then they just, and things flop early. So you went in with just the idea, did you have a very good spiel? Did you have a great pitch when you met them or were you, I don't know, what were you like? Well, I guess, you know, when, you, when you're, I, I can't speak for no. these guys, right? but I have spoken with a lot of investors over the years and a, a number of them at that early stage are investing in uh the, the, the individual yeah. and you know they're looking for signals of potential success like passion in the idea yeah. relevant experience etc etc and then the quality of the idea so you know do they think that this is a market that you know overlaps with the thesis that they have so yeah. in forward partners in this case they were investors in e-commerce and so their, their kind of okay. belief was that there were a number of industries which but were yet, going to uh, go more yeah. online and ours was a classic example of that you know if if not one of the last examples of that yeah um and so uh, you know i i think it's probably it's a fool's errand really to to create too much analysis when you're that early uh, right. because a lot of it is just, hypothesis yeah. right and there's so many assumptions and everyone recognizes that you know, these assumptions yeah. are going to be fairly flawed yeah. and, you know, try and get a sense of, you know, what is the potential opportunity uh, if this thing really succeeds? Yeah. And a lot of them invest in that rather than perfect year one, year two, year three plans. Yeah. So they, they gave you a little bit of money and then you started out on your own. What was day one, morning one like? I mean, well, like, I guess my question is where, yeah, how do you start getting these plants if you don't really, yeah. you're not in that world? That's, that's the big barrier, surely, early on. That's a good question. <laughs> well, so actually, the, so I, I started on, on, I went full-time on uh, April Fool's Day 2016. Nice. Uh, it was a Friday. It was quite deliberate because I thought, well, we'll probably go for a couple of drinks. With the, uh, okay. So uh, the thing about Forward Partners, at least back in the day, was that they had their own team of kind of product developers oh, and guys who could help you with the, with the bit that I really didn't know how to do, which was build the website. And, okay. And so we went out for lunch and I thought, this, this is great. I could get used to this entrepreneurism <laughs> crack. Uh, but actually before that, um, I'd been advised by them to, to, to get another pair of hands in, so yeah. an intern, someone who's just keen to, to, to be a number two. And so I, I put out um, a job spec um, and had two applicants. Okay. Um, and one was called uh, Fleur and the other one was called Lily. No way. No jokes. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. Um, it's meant to be. It was meant to be. So Who, uh, who won? Fleur. Fleur oh, won. Okay. Uh, poor Lily, poor Lily. She's, I'm sure she's doing she's very doing well, well. <laughs> but Fleur is um, Fleur is with us for a number of years and Great. you know she she then joined on day two on the on the Monday okay and we spent we spent that time the first week literally just speaking to customers because really what they're what, what those guys were investing in was there's a problem here mm-hmm. you know there's a lack of relevant inspiration for younger gardeners there's a lack of convenience they can't buy these things very easily because yeah. I either have to get in an Uber to wherever um, or you go online, but there's not much there. Yeah. Uh, and then they have a lack of confidence that so they don't really know what plants to get and then how to look after them when they get them. Yeah. So we kind of, we had that hunch and they had that hunch as investors and they thought, right, go, go and see if that problem really exists. So we, we just spoke to a lot of customers and then we, you know, we had four weeks, no, eight weeks of cash basically. Um, oh, wow. So it's not long. Quite, no, not long. No. And then we, you know, after four weeks, we built a prototype of the site and we then, um, someone had a brilliant idea. I can't claim credit for it, but someone had a really good idea of going to somewhere that was had a very high concentration of our target demographic, yeah, and just and just flyering them basically. So we right. went to the East Village in Stratford, which was the Olympic Village, right, nice. where all the athletes stayed. Yeah, so yeah. you've got three and a half thousand flats there, mostly um, shared ownership flats. So Young, you know, first younger, time. first time, first time buyers. Basically, that demographic that 
if you yeah. were I was at that, at that point when I moved in with Clemmy, right? A lot so, of balconies, I imagine. And a lot of balconies. So we really, our, our, our proposition at first was was balcony makeovers, if you will. It was kind nice. of the product segment that we thought was a really good, you hear people talking about wedges into a market, like yeah. a, a wedge which you can then open up and et cetera. So, so you start with the balcony, then you got the whole, whole home or maybe even garden later on. Yeah, yeah. I, ideally, yeah. And and so we, that back then it was just about really doing whatever you can to um, t- to get customers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a lot of it was kind of don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Right. So like we, we put, you know, we would knock on the... Um, on these blocks of flats and say, we've got a parcel for your neighbor. And then actually we'd walk in and, and put flyers under every single door. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, and then you get a phone call from the, uh, the, yeah. the developments, you know, boss or whatever saying, I think you should probably stop doing that. And you go, okay. okay, so sorry. And then you go and do it again a week later. And, um, <laughs> did you get many inquiries off the back we of did. that? Yeah. That, you know what? How many flyers did you print? And then how many inquiries do you reckon you we got? We probably <laughs> printed 10,000 flyers, I'd yeah. say. And, you know, and pops, Pops one under every door two or three times, and we did it. You know, it was. It was it, they talk, people talk about do things that don't scale, and this was the classic example of that, right? So we, it was an image of the Olympic Stadium in the back. So, so we, we, our first product shoot was yeah. on a balcony that overlooked okay. the Olympic Stadium. So it was so tailored to that. So tailored right. to that development, and um, I love it. But it was. Yeah. But it, but it, but just you meant that. that. You know, it's quite implicit. People aren't really. It's quite subconscious, right? That people aren't actually thinking. Oh, that is. That's me. That that is me. But it does. It just cuts through a little bit more, mm-hmm. and I guess gives the impression of small and local. Yeah. But we had an incredible response rate to that, and we had a lot of leads. And then what we would do is we'd essentially uh, ask people, what, "Tell tell us about your space and tell us about you a bit." And you're on the phone at this point, or is there a form? A little tiny little form. Okay. Again, very basic, very um, very unscalable. And then we would say, okay, fine, we, here are some recommendations. And then they would say, great, I'll have that, or I'll have the, this yeah. version, or I'll, if you take that one out, and then I'll have that. And you're basically doing anything that people say yeah, that they want. And then what we do is we'd run off to this brilliant nursery uh, garden centre in Essex to go and then buy those plants. It's a nursery called Clockhouse, which is honestly one of the best garden centres in the UK. Um, and is that, is that like like the new Covent Garden flower market where it's a trade kind of only no, or is it so, so it's still customer it's yeah I, I really we're not we're not testing the economic viability of the business at the point this, no. at this point like no. we're not we're, we're just, just taking those plants, plants you can. Best, best plants we can from, the, from people we trust who can give us some great advice and then and not really marking them up but just selling them and okay. then going okay well in time we, as I said we're just really testing the, the mm-hmm. problem and the proposition at that point and then in time, we'll go to New Covent Garden Market. Yeah. We've got some suppliers there. And then we we went f- step further up the supply chain, step further up the okay. supply chain. But yeah, so we'd run up to Clockhouse and and then plant up all these things and then deliver them the following day. And then, you know, there are cases where I had this... And client. you were doing... You'd drive and you and Fleur and the team would literally yep. drive over, pick the plants by hand. Okay, he needs yep. this, she needs that. Quite literally, you know, written sheets yeah. of... Number fat. 40A, yeah. Yeah, all that good stuff. And then the next day you come in the van and... We come, we come down in our in our rented van nice. for the three days and then go make the deliveries. It's so much fun. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I must have, you know, the, the first, I must have made the first two, three hundred deliveries. Yeah. And uh, you get to meet all the customers. That, that <laughs> I've got some uh, uh, incredible stories of, yeah. of, of sometimes going into... I, I went, once went into an after party to deliver some plants and it was, you know... Not what I quite expected to see when I was delivering. Uh, what time was it? It was like eleven a.m. And it was still going. Still going. Oh my! Very God. strong. Wow! Um, very strong. And, That's Stratford. Yeah, that's East London. <laughs> and uh, but also, you know, just the you know what typically greets you is just this. You know, people's eyes just light up when they open yeah. the door to see these plants. You know, that people are receiving something that often they've never received before. Yeah, and uh, they've never had plants. And you know, when you when you're delivering something that we potted up, it's. There is a lot of joy and life and vivacity that you're you're delivering, really, yeah. and and people get very excited about that. Of course, so amazing, it's great fun. So that's the first two or three hundred orders. Yeah. And what were the real the real problems early on? Was there any kind of moments when you thought, oh, we've got we're, we're in trouble now? I've probably I cast them yeah. to the back of my memory. And no, in fairness. At the very early days, no, that, those first few weeks actually were, were fairly smooth. Okay. Um, it was, like, yes, sometimes we, we'd sold a plant to someone and actually when we got to our friends at Clockhouse, we couldn't do it. Um, yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't actually find that plant. We have to swap it. But typically people are fine about that. Okay. Um, I, I remember when Fleur 
uh, crashed the van. That was that was awkward, and she wasn't. I don't think she was insured on it, so that was even more awkward. Um, uh, yeah, you know, you know, issues like that, which which we managed to resolve. But I think what where where it became difficult is is going. Okay, how do we now turn this into something that is, goes beyond? Yeah, great. We we built a business for for East Village in Stratford, and it's amazing the market share, if you will, of that development of that village that we've managed to get but how do we now turn this into everywhere you know in into everywhere in london and then further afield like we can't can't have the founder running around no every single day delivering plants how do we scale that and how do we go from uh taking plants from a, a garden center to uh to buying that and making a little bit of money off it yeah um those are all the problems that i knew we we, we knew we'd we'd come across but you know yeah. those were the the, ne- the next problems and what was the first time you you kind of had a chance to think okay this could actually work now this could be bigger than just than than just me running around delivering plants when was the first time it felt like i don't know okay patch you know it felt like okay we arrived people know us i think when we started getting press inquiries yeah um that was pretty cool yeah uh and then that i suppose that's just one one of them, and then and then in the new year, so in 2017, when we started selling uh, indoor plants, it you know it grew very very quickly yeah. from that point, and um, it was very clear that we were onto something that yeah. people were excited about, and we were approaching it in a novel way, and in a way that we believed in, yeah. and you know we wanted you know all the people we wanted to hire wanted to join us, and it was just it just came together really well. So it's hard for me to answer a question yeah. to, to pinpoint one thing. Um, well, no, life's never like that. You just, yeah, it's just a kind of slow, gradual, and then suddenly you realize, oh God, I'm yeah. actually all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So talk to me through, talk me through the the, the user journey. I suppose mm-hmm. when I first think, okay, I've got a new space. I have actually just moved into a new flat, by the way, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Okay, and we are looking for houseplants. So when I start thinking about, okay, I think fiddle leaf trees very mm-hmm. cool right now very beautiful lot no dark green leaves once i start thinking that and then i google the term fiddle leaf trees yeah from that moment till it's delivered to my door what happens with patch and how are you getting it to me basically so you will you'll come through to patch okay. and you will be greeted with uh some hopefully lovely imagery and uh and a couple of different options we might prompt you to think yes the fiddle leaf is is mm-hmm. a great plant but actually we've, we've just released this absolute stunner of a variety of the fiddle leaf okay thing, i'm listening uh called uh alto which is a ficus altissima which is absolutely stunning i have a fiddle leaf figure my okay. in my kitchen which is like the star plant in my house but yeah. I'm, i am considering don't don't tell him poor thing i'm <laughs> considering moving out for this this new plant we brought in it's, it's uh, called a ficus altissima so it's okay. uh we, we call him alto uh, so if you Google Alto plant, okay, to Google, I will do this. Yeah, you'll more easily find us than any of our competitors. Okay, okay. Um, so, uh, but you will. So let's just let's just run with the example mm-hmm. you've suggested, right? You, you you check out with the with the uh, the fiddle um, the fiddle leaf fig. Sorry, we call it fiddle. Fiddle. Um, <laughs> and a pot, and uh, you might say, right, I want it. You can choose if you want it delivered on Saturday. You can choose to have it delivered tomorrow. What used to happen is that we used to then go and order that plant from our growers and then those growers would then deliver it to us and then we get it out to you. That works well, but it doesn't, I can't get you that product tomorrow if you wanted it. Yeah. So nowadays we have, we hold a little bit more stock than we used to. So in our uh, fulfillment center, we will hold, um, you know, a number of those, uh, mm. those fiddle leaf figs and they're getting watered and misted every day. And then those plants will either get sent up to our, distribution center in park yeah. royal and then they'll go and get delivered by one of our drivers yeah. or if you live in the orkney islands then it'll get put in a box and delivered up to you yeah uh by uh by dpd and so the, the <clears throat> distribution center that's in the netherlands is it right yeah or no, no so our growers are in the netherlands okay. so that, but that's because that's the plant capital yeah is it, i should have flowers? mentioned yeah it is it is literally that it, that's a very good way of putting it yeah you know, probably 70 to 80 percent of plants at least house plants, probably a high percentage of that are, are grown in yeah. the Netherlands. Well, they, they originate in those areas I mentioned earlier in, um, say, Central America, for mm-hmm. example, because that's where those plants typically come from. And they get grown to about this size, and then they get shipped onto the Netherlands, and yeah. then they get grown up. Um, you know, they, the Netherlands, you know, they, they're a, it's a very mercantile nation, right, historically. Mm. Uh, but also it's perfect for, uh, for plants because it's flat, flat yeah. and it's got this canal system everywhere. So for yeah. growers, it's actually got quite low setup costs. So you can put up a greenhouse relatively easily and grow a product. Um, of course. And so we, we work with about 40 of those growers. Some oh, of those wow. are 
family businesses. They've been growing yeah. plants for decades, uh, if not longer. And it's great because we, we mm. get to build a relationship with these guys. They, they're specialists in what they grow. So we will work with an absolute specialist on those fiddle leaf figs. We work with a brilliant specialist on um, on Arkentia palms. Those are those, again, quite Victorian yeah. image. You might convey those art, big, tall arch fronds. You might put it in the corner of a, yeah. in a room. Um, so there's a there's a fiddle leaf <clears throat> specialist. There's a guy who just does that. He just does this. Wow, yeah. great. I need to find him. Well, I found him. I <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Well, because these guys, you know, I guess the reason why they like to work with us is because we help them to access yeah. a, a new demographic, right? And they know that this is a very popular product among our customers, but they also know that they do what they do very well, which mm-hmm. is grow plants on. But, you know, building a website, building, a, you know, a route yeah. to market um, to those customers is is a different specialist a specialism. You know, we frankly don't want to take on what they do and I don't think they frankly want to take on what we do and so we work very well in partnership with them yeah so I mean the the kind of magical thing to me which I hadn't considered until you mentioned it is the fact that this thing comes from Central America or South America and then is kind of raised like a well it is a living thing but like an animal and I guess the the cost once something like that gets to one and a half metres tall maybe the cost for the customer is the fact that it's been matured like a fine whiskey or a cheese basically yeah. And that's why it's getting more and more expensive. How long does it take to get to... Years. To, really? Yeah, in some cases. So if you if you were to buy a... So what, we have a six-foot um, fiddle-leaf fig. You'll, yeah. You, you know, you, that, that thing is a tree, right? How old is that then? I mean, several years. Wow. You know, up to 10 years old, that plant. My God. Um, so actually, when you think about it, if you're paying... I don't know how much that is, about 100 and... So no, I think of... Uh, well, the fiddle-leaf that I'm thinking of yeah. is about, I think, 200, 240 pounds. Okay. But for 10 years of growth, yeah, it's been sitting there waiting. It's kind of magical. Well, and the thing is as well, I, I don't think many people recognise this, but yeah. it's, um, if you're new to plants, you're actually much better off getting a mature specimen, mm-hmm. a, a, an older plant, like this fiddle leaf that we're referring to, yeah. than you are buying a smaller plant. Because imagine that it's, it's almost... It's like getting it's a baby. Direct, exactly. It's almost directly comparable to a baby. <laughs> like, the smaller the thing is, the harder, yeah. the work, it, okay. the harder it is to look after. Whereas if it's more mature, frankly, the, the fiddle leaf I have in my kitchen is the one I've had least difficulty with yeah. when I forget to water it one week. Um, because actually it's like, chill, my roots are well established. Yeah. If I have to go a week without water, then I'm, I can, I yeah, can do that. I can do I, I'll let you know. My, my, my leaves might just Start slightly droop, but I'm not going to throw a complete paddy about it. Okay. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still with you. Um, yeah. Just look after me a bit better. Okay. Whereas a lot of those younger plants will not give you that warning. Yeah. Um, and so you're also paying for that, I guess. Right. If no. You're, if you're paying for an older plant, you are paying for something that can, you know, you've it's got robust. more trap. Exactly. You, it's more robust. It's you, you've got more faith. Is is mm. you know, uh, is going to yeah. maybe even outlive you. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're outsourcing the parenting for the first eighteen years essentially. To, yeah. um, which is what some parents do <laughs> not mine I'll, I'll add um, <laughs> but uh, okay so that that's I guess that's the plants has there ever been a temptation to veer out into other channels as well once you've got this captive audience and you're really mm. they're there and they're in that mode of kind of delight and thinking about their space the temptation must be oh we could do almost anything we could be a new kind of millennial Ikea kind of thing yeah but yeah. Have, you, have you had to kind of rein yourself in and go no this is what we do yeah yeah uh yes there is that temptation yeah um especially i think with a brand like ours which has done well to capture the that millennial demographic mm-hmm. and i think it depends on a few things one is your enthusiasm to expand yeah. um and also just the level of capital that you have to support that because um really what what we do is actually very very complex um and we might we, you know we talk a lot about how easy we make plants but actually the back end of that on our side is yeah. incredibly complex you know getting a plant from that grower to you and you know giving you everything you need to look after it is not easy no. you know it's not like delivering a t-shirt right yeah what is the packaging that it that it arrives in so in the case of those those of our customers um in london yeah. we deliver those plants by hand and that makes it less complex but for those who live outside London, we deliver those plants in protective packaging. Okay. Um, and, you know... Is it like a very hard 
box, wooden uh, uh, cardboard box. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's no, it's a it's a typical cardboard box. Okay, but it's just much more protective than, than yeah. what you what you typically expect. But um, they've got to be quite weird and wonderful shapes. They've got to they be do. tall and thin and yeah, 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 yeah exactly. God. And uh, it's taken us a long time to get that right. Yeah. Um, you know, in the last six months, we feel that we've got that really right. Yeah. Um, but it's it takes time, and so I think there is a risk that by trying to diversify too soon. Uh, especially when you're young, right? Like we, we want to build, we want to be the category leader of what we do. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to, like, you know, just be this also ran. We no. want to be the best at what we do. I'd much sooner do that and be confident I've done that, and then look further afield if we need to. Um, but, but equally, I, I, you know, I believe in specialism, yeah. and and I also think, you know, in, in e-commerce, what we do, right, is uh, that there is great value in specialism because your competitor is Amazon in many yeah, cases. who can do everything. That, you know, if you're going to start um, stepping on their shoes, they're going to, you know, wipe yeah. the floor with you. So I think in short that there's a lot of value in, in being specialists in what we do. Yes, we are expanding. We, we now sell outdoor, outdoor plants with much more gusto than we have done mm-hmm. in the past. And of course, you've always sold, for a long time, you sold pots and accessories which yeah. and, and kind of sprays and things, which is quite natural, really. Yeah. But but flowers, I guess, is the other one. You don't do flowers. You don't do flowers, no. And there is flowers has seen a massive boom as well. I think that Bloom and Wild is a very successful one. Yeah, great. We've certainly called on them yeah. in some moments of crisis. Yeah. And also, we had Freddie from Freddie's Flowers. Yes. Yeah, who, which is a wonderful story, and, a, and again, in a really really beautiful product. In part because of his surname. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Freddie Garland. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. But um from the outside you go you guys could do flowers as well you go to the Netherlands yeah. you've got it sewn up but you've decided not to do that well we, we've not decided yet. not yet ah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, <clears throat> we sell very different things yeah. we sell a living item they sell something that has been cut that is not quite in decline as soon as you receive it both of those businesses do a brilliant job of getting those products to you when and when they're on the cusp of looking at their best right Yeah. but that, that is still a, a fundamentally very different product and also they do it brilliantly. I think there are a lot of businesses that do that well. And, uh, I, you know, I think we, we keep a respectful distance with okay. each other. Yeah. So who are the competitors then? Who are the, the threats to, to patch? Is it the case that someone like, I don't know, Amazon could move very quickly into your space and do a, a new product? Or is that not a danger? Well, I don't... Um, if you think of the Amazon customer yeah, experience... It's not, no, yeah, it's not comparable. It, it, look... Uh, a lot of my disposable income goes to Amazon yeah. on a monthly basis, right? So I'm, I'm by no way <laughs> criticising them for no. what they do. But, but I guess what they do is very different from... Yeah, uh, from definitely. Or what they specialise in, I don't think is what... It needs to be the specialism in our category. So let's look at Amazon just for a moment. So mm. really what they're trying to do is get you in and out of that yeah. website as quickly as possible, right? They're trying to make it as streamlined as yeah. they possibly can for you to make the, the purchase that what you're what you're looking for and what you need. In our case, most people come to us either not knowing anything about plants or, or at least not knowing what they want. So they, they, they might have, as the example mm. we gave earlier, they might have an idea of buying a particular plant, but actually many people come to us going, I'm just here to look around. Yeah. And you know, it's much more of an experiential, sorry, it's much more of an experience than it is, um, you know, a, like a, a checkout experience, mm. if you will. So, you know, typically people spend over four minutes. The average, average person who visits Patch spends about four minutes on our site. And that's not including those who, who actually check out and buy products from us. So it, we, we want it to be an enjoyable experience. Yeah. And I don't think the Amazon site is no, built to do that. The other not. side of it is that I mentioned that, you know, a key part of our proposition is, is confidence, giving people confidence to buy what they want to buy. Yeah. And that includes useful information up front, but also lots of useful information afterwards. And so, you know, we send emails... Once you buy that plant from us mm. in the next next week or so, and I'll be checking in on that. Um, <laughs> once you buy that, you'll receive with the plant yeah. some really useful guidance on how to look after it. But then you'll also get you'll get a text from us in a couple of weeks going, "How's Fidel getting on?" Okay, these are a couple of tips to to keep him looking fresh and to keep him growing well. And you know, you you can join our plant parenting course, level one and level two, if you'd like. Yeah. So, lots of subsequent. Uh, information and then access to our plant doctor so we have if you do if it ever gets to the point where you're like I need to call 999 right you can, There's a plant you can check in on our plant doctor if your patch customer yeah. come speak to one of our guys 
What usually goes wrong with the plant? What is it overwatering, underwatering? Yeah. Too much sunlight, too little. I guess it differs. So there, there are a few things. I'd say probably the if you if you're underwatering your plant, you can come back from that. But if you've overwatered it, you're going to struggle to bring that thing back. Yeah. Um, That's what Max did. My old housemate. I told him. Yeah. He but because he loved he loved the process of looking after our plants. Yeah. And you know when we're working from home, Max, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. He, I think he, it would just be a little, you know, a little break in the day. Yeah. So these plants probably didn't need water every day. In fact, they definitely didn't. No. And one of them, the rest of them are fine, but one of them is now very, very sad. Yeah. So yeah. So what? So underwatering is okay, obviously. It's not okay, but it's. But no. you, you might be able to come back from it. Right. Overwatering is, uh, you know, you're you're basically um, yeah. saturating the roots, and and they can't, they literally cannot breathe as a result of that, mm-hmm. and uh, and those plants drown. Right. Yeah. Um, and yes, to your point, people think that caring for their plants, many people think that caring for their plants equals watering their plants. Yeah. And actually, really, you, you just need to just get to know your plants a bit better. And so a typical way of doing this when, you're, when, you're, when you've brought it in is just to put your finger, mm. we talk about the finger dip test. So put your finger into the, the soil, about an inch in, up to yeah. the first knuckle. And if you, if you take it out and you see some dust on it, you know, some, some soil on it, then it's, yeah. it's moist, then it's, you know, the okay. plant is fine. If it comes out dry, and you've got nothing on it, then it probably needs good water. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a rule of thumb. There's yeah. some bit more, bit more detail on rule it. Rule of finger, finger. Rule of finger. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, uh, but that is, you know, generally it's a good principle. And I think, um, you know, if, if Max had done that, then you probably yeah. would have avoided. That's Max. Plant matters. He's over eager, but he's very talented and lovely. Wonderful, Max. Um, okay, well, that's brilliant, Freddie. So, what about the future then? Do you think, yeah, you'll you'll be doing plants forever? You personally. As Patch, is it, is it something that you think you could see yourself doing in 20, 30 years' time? Well, I think a lot of founders yeah. have quite a, um, you know, a lot of their identity yeah. is wrapped up with businesses that they founded, right? So I struggle to imagine a world where I'm not in this business. Mm-hmm. But equally, there will come a time, I'm sure, where the business will be better off, will be better off with fresh leadership, fresh ideas. Yeah. And so I'm not, uh, you know, I would be as a you know as a as a shareholder in the business. Uh, I won't be um, you know kind of clinging on if if I felt that mm. and if others felt that I was the right person for the business. That being said, we're only six years old. Of course, I'm only thirty four, um, and uh, I think I've still got a lot of energy, yeah. a lot of um, a lot of good ideas to bring to the business. Um, Has anyone approached you to buy it? Have you had offers? No, we've had you know big businesses that have come to us with some intrigue and yeah. going oh I'd like to find out a, bit, a little bit more about your business yeah. and we're always very keen to say thank you for your interest but we're um, you know we're covering our own path yeah. thanks very much um, quite right and thus it will continue I expect for, for a good amount of time amazing you know we're I, I, I've mentioned to you that we are I see this business as a brand led business yeah and we want to build the category leader in the leader in this category yeah I'm incredibly competitive <laughs> um, I have very little interest in doing that in partnership with a with another big business. Yeah, um, I'd much sooner do that under yeah. our own steam. Does that power you? Does that drive you the competitive envy um, or competitiveness? As a as a writer and a journalist, which is a very competitive field, that I find, for better or for worse, is one of the best things to get you started when you need to sure. write a piece. Is thinking that guy who's a year younger than me, look at what he's just done. Yeah. Do you have that kind of, is that the kind of thing that, that drives you forward or one of them at least? When you see new startups coming in, you think, God. Yeah, I guess when I see out of category, I, yeah. I don't see many in our category, which I think of as going, no. oh, what they're doing is quite exciting. You've kind of got it sewn up. It's kind of a, a game of one at the moment. Yeah. Not um, to jinx it. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> no, touching words, exactly. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, no, I think I, d- I think we do cover quite a broad broad base, mm-hmm. and you know we we do have some some competitors that I have a lot of admiration for. Yeah. Um, but then there are there are some which are just basically doing what what we do, which I, I think is hard work for them because it's it's always going to be yeah. um, derivative of our business, yeah. right? Um, so they're kind of clones in a way. You wouldn't put it like that, but they are kind of they've seen they've seen you wedge open the doors, you say, and then they yeah. just kind of breezed in and tried to do the same thing, but they. Yeah, yeah, fair, the fair enough. It's a, uh, it's a tried and tested business yeah. model, but I'd much rather do what we do, where you know we're actually we spend a lot of time understanding the problem, yeah. really getting to know it, and and building you know a proposition and solution that solves that problem rather yeah. than doing a, a version of that, which is always just one step removed from the customer. Of course, um, but uh, just do, no, I think I'm not, I'm not competitive against others. I'm just competitive in that 
I don't really like the idea of, you know, as all my family members will say, I don't really like the idea of losing or, you know, yes. or of, uh, of not winning the, the Christmas board game. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, and I think in patch, we've got a really good opportunity, yeah. really good uh, stab at, at, at building, you know, in, in 10, 20 years time, the, the best business in the horticulture industry in yeah. the UK. And that will cover a set of categories or rather a, set of products and range of products that's probably much broader than what we do today and yeah suite of services that's probably quite a lot larger than what we offer today but is a business that's set up for the next hundred years yeah and that's like i, I get excited just saying that to you so, yeah of course uh, so that's really the competitive streak in me is yeah. is is not necessarily like you know on you know the beginning of a hundred meter race and looking across from you and going <laughs> who's here but, but just thinking like that's the goal yeah what a hell of an opportunity we've got for yeah. it yeah Let's not. Let's go after it. Yeah, let's 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 do it. Before you go, Freddie, we've got these questions, mm. which we used to ask a lot, but then over Zoom it just felt harder to to get good responses. So okay. maybe we dropped it. So they're kind of quick fire questions, more about Freddie Blackett, the man, right? Not okay. Freddie Blackett, the plant man. Okay, I'm sure they're very similar. What was the last piece of advice you gave? Don't sell it. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure there's to a big someone, story behind to that. Someone yeah. selling, thinking of selling their business. Okay, right, good. You shouldn't sell it either, by the way. <laughs> what phrase would you like to banish from the earth? What do people say sometimes in your encounters or in the office that you think, God, that's yeah, that's not good. Conscious of time is a is a phrase I I really don't like. <laughs> what as in, in the meeting? I'm conscious of your time. Con- conscious of time. Should we move things on? It's like yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like when people are basically bored of the subject, yeah, and yeah. just move it along. Yeah, there's quite a clever one when people go. I'll let you go now, yeah, even though yeah, they want to leave. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I'll let you go now, Joe. I know you're busy. I'm not busy. I'd love to chat. It's fine. Uh, I'm a lifestyle journalist. It's absolutely chilled. <laughs> Who in the world of business do you most admire? Have you got any icons, any kind of idols? Oh, that's a great question. You know what? Uh, someone I, um, I'm spending quite a lot of time with, because you know, I'm reading his book, is a guy called Rory Sutherland. Oh, Rory Sutherland. Ogilvy. Yeah. Obviously, he's yeah. an advertising boy. He once lectured at our advertising school or gave a talk. It was the most wonderful hour and a half of just him on just play, yeah. just just going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Do you have you met him? I haven't met him. My head of marketing did a podcast with him, oh. and so he's uh, you know he critiqued our business, which was yeah, you know, really exciting. Yeah, did yeah, he really? Yeah. Patch is kind of perfect for him. He's very interested in in kind of millennial disruption, or he used to be, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's, yeah. So a book I'm reading of his at the moment. Yeah. Which I I dipped into a long time ago, and just you know for whatever reason stopped reading it. Uh, it's, it's a book called Alchemy, okay. and uh, the subtitle is like the power of I- power of I- the power of ideas that don't make sense, right? And it's it's brilliant, right? It, it it basically you know a lot of business decisions are based on logic, yeah. right? And he lists some amazing examples of businesses that have been built like almost neglecting logic, right? One which I'll just briefly tell you is, is mm. Red Bull, which when they, yeah. supposedly the legend is at least that when they tested the product, you know, globally and covering every single demographic yeah. you could possibly could imagine, when they tested it, blind tested it, it came bottom in every single taste I'm test. I'm not surprised to be honest. And, yeah. you know, most, if you imagine the management consultants, they would have taken that yeah. research back to the board and gone, we need, you know, action is, let's go and change the formulation. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't touch it. And, no. you know, they, they built some, they built one of the, probably the most powerful brand on the planet yeah you know, if you think about where it's gone yeah all it's different yeah um of something that makes no sense no and i don't know anyone who thinks oh i really fancy a red bull right now it's <laughs> yeah it's an incredible thing yeah, yeah I, th- I don't think i've had it since in in a bucket when i was yeah, like yeah, 19 yeah, yeah, exactly in thailand which they always said I had amphetamines in thankfully it didn't of course <laughs> what's your worst habit freddie um my worst habit <laughs> uh is probably oh gosh it's probably picking my nose fine I think that's quite right <laughs> it's the first thing that came to me something. right Joe and I was okay. thinking I can't say picking my nose on the gentleman's journal um, but you've asked me quick fire questions and you've been honest and I'm, you know, I've got to give well, you we'll an honest do it. answer we all do it better out than in I suppose I think in that sense what's the most impressive thing you can cook what's your your ah. kind of pièce de résistance I used to I haven't done it in a long time, but I think probably the most impressive is a parmigiana melanzana, which oh. is, you, you know what I mean? It's like a yeah, it's aubergine kind of lasagna type thing. Yeah, beautiful. I used to live with some Neapolitans. Wow. Uh, and they used to cook that and they taught it to me. And okay. my goodness, it's good. And it also takes time. Like you're, 
you have to you know brush all of these slices of aubergine with oil and then you really you know you're putting you know a kitchen towel on it to take it away take the salt away from the aubergine. i mean it's it's a real labor of love okay but that um that has won some hearts beautiful years, yeah yeah fresh lovely what uh, are you most proud of so far in your career or in the patch journey i think having three children whilst so you know when i started the business i i was childless wifeless <laughs> and i'm now married with three children yeah and have a team of 45 people yeah there's a lot of juggling a lot of juggling yeah and what are six years bloody hell yeah it's, it's been busy six years and they all they're all one to six zero to six yeah four two and five months old wow yeah. okay god well well done bloody hell thank you how do you sleep do you get do you get a lot of sleep i get enough sleep huh. yeah that's the thing i'm most worried about with kids I, I need a lot of sleep, I think, to be at my best. I think... Or did you get used to it? You, so I, I more or less stopped drinking nice. uh, at the start of last year uh, and find that, you know, if you've, if you've not drunk and you get six hours sleep, you're fine. Yeah. If you have a couple of beers yeah. at my age now yeah. uh, and you get eight hours sleep, you feel like you've had... It's like, it's like the quality of four yeah. hours sleep without drinking. 100%. So I... Um, yeah, you pick I've, your battles I've, on I've picked my battles. Yeah. yeah. And you do, you, you know, I've, I've kind of temporarily retired on a couple of hobbies, which I, I enjoy. I okay. used to play a fair bit of golf, which is obviously not practical. We've <laughs> got three children. No, that's not a popular choice uh, to leave all Saturday. Yeah. You know, 50 over cricket, things like oh, that. Oh, really? It's, you know, quite tough to... Okay. Were you, I, were you a wicket keeper? No. You struck I, me as you could be quite handy. No. N- no, I don't, I don't think so. No, I'm, um, I, I think I poli- politely put myself as an all-rounder, which okay. kind of means... Not very good at much. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, what's been your biggest failure, on the other hand, do you think, so far? Or your biggest regret with Patch? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, look, there are so many mistakes yeah. that I've made that uh, I you know, I've, I don't think the business would be where they were if it wasn't for the mistakes that we've made. Yeah, naturally. Uh, I think wh- whenever I've not followed my instincts on things, mm-hmm. or if I kind of like suppressed my instincts, I've regretted it. And, you know, if that's kind of on strategic decisions and like listening to others who sound very sensible and very experienced and going, okay, you sound experienced and sound smart and, you know, you're wearing a smart jacket. Okay, fine. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the the times where I've gone, sorry, actually, no, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I've just, I I need to get my head around it. And actually, I'm not going to concede on this. I'm not going to compromise on it. This is how we're going to do it. Nice. Those are the ones where... You say nice. That's how I wish I would have been able to. Okay, wish I okay, yeah, it, yeah. But, it takes time. Um, but that those have probably been the the behind the biggest mistakes or errors. Okay, good. If you could learn one new skill, what mm. would it be? I'd really quite like to be good at tennis. Um, I'm hopeless at tennis. Okay. Um, tennis is 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 a sport you can fit around yeah. your lifestyle. That's yeah, why so, you do an hour. Yeah, so I've, I've kind of got it in my in my sights at the moment. Yeah. Um, and the and the aesthetic of it, I mean, you can get some beautiful. I'm thinking of you, Lacoste bowler shirt, <laughs> matching shorts, headband, and a nice old school racket, maybe. <laughs> yeah, at the, at the moment, it's you know, it's not yeah. at all like that. So, okay, you know, firing balls into not even the next door court and the one across from that. It's, yeah, you know, it's a real mess. I never, I, I I try to play during lockdown, having played every year at school, and it's amazing how it, it wasn't like riding a bike it was completely really? gone I had nothing left really no feel no touch it was incredibly depressing so yeah. I think I might need to get some coaching do you have a coach? N- no going to? I, I need to get a coach yeah yeah, yeah. okay maybe we'll do it together cool <laughs> if you could stick to one age what would it be and why? one age one age seven fourteen mm. look I love I love my life right now yeah absolutely love it um, I would say that eighteen was pretty carefree time wasn't yeah, it you know yeah. leaving school disappearing around going around Europe yeah um, no yeah no responsibility that no. was pretty fun but no. that's that comes in second place like being 34 three kids mm-hmm. you know having all of the joy and everything that comes with it yeah every day is brilliant the best. that yeah. gives me a lot of hope <laughs> yeah I've never had anyone on here thankfully who hasn't said the age they are now. So oh, maybe yeah? that question needs to go. But it always does make people say, you know, talk about what makes them happy in kind of an inverted way. I think as yeah. I read some things, you know, you always wish you were mm-hmm. 10 years younger. Like when, when I'm 44, I'll always look back and go, yeah. God, how amazing 34 yeah. was. So you just need to enjoy it now. I think you just need to... Impossible. Like, you, but yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the joy. I, I completely agree with you. I think I'm certainly like now, I'm, I'm 31 and I definitely know myself a lot better than at 21. Um, 
and I guess you have more money, maybe slightly. <laughs> so that's good. But yeah, Martin Amos said that your 30s are the prince. They're the prince of all the decades. They said the 50s is the pauper. So we've got that to oh, really? forward to. Oh, and then he says thanks, 60s Martin. gets good again. <laughs> I was just I was reading his biography. So that's so it made me feel good about the 30s. Because in our culture, I think the 20s is like, you know, 21, like yeah. in a kind of, in a quite an American way, that's like youth. But actually, in your 20s, you are really struggling. You're, you, you know, moving to London for the first time, as I'm sure you yeah. do. It is difficult. <clears throat> So I don't know why I'm going on this ramble, but if anyone's listening and they're 21, it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have you done recently for the very first time? Uh, oh, you know what? I, um, I've, you know, start because my son is now four. Yeah. I've started going to kids' birthday parties. Fun. For the first time. And, you know, going to uh, soft play. Yes. Like, is, wow, it's fun. As it's, an adult? As an adult. Okay. It's so much fun. Like, <laughs> you know, there, there is some, there is some, like, you know, some slides at, at soft play, which are sheer drops. Like, yeah, the death and, slides. Yeah. My goodness, you know, you're like, it's if, a thrill. If, if you, it's a thrill. But if seriously, if you got any heart trouble, like, you, there should be a warning <laughs> on that just before you get on there. Yeah, if you if you sat on the edge and then you pushed yourself away and launched yourself off, you would essentially just just drop, just drop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got to be very careful to slide off. Okay, yeah, good. I mean, bring so your... you've soft played <clears throat> for the first time as an adult. Soft- I love it. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was definitely fun from memory, but it's even more fun as an adult. Yeah, okay. That's also encouraging. <laughs> What's your most treasured possession? It can't be, you know, your your loved ones or a mm. dog or... They're not possessions anyway, but yeah. You know uh, what I mean? The thing that comes to mind... So I, I do have this box yeah. um, of stuff that is all my... All of, all of my memories from mm-hmm. Patch. Oh, great. And I think I'm... What, I'm, first press clippings and... Press clippings. I, I had a note. When we had, you know, there was a, a, a period we went through a, a, like a tricky tricky period of patch and got this lovely note from one of my colleagues to, uh, just sharing sharing with me how she felt I dealt with the issues yeah um, and just, you know I was very nervous about <clears throat> about uh, about how it was going to be perceived by the company in, in yeah. dealing with those issues and you know think small th- so like all the great stuff but also just like all of the memories yeah, of the business small moments small yeah. moments and that is like you know I suppose in, in the relation of our conversation around Patch is mm-hmm. certainly my most my, uh, my, my most treasured uh, definitely so do you get those things out when you're, you, when you're looking for a bit of perspective or a bit of yeah. feeling on you actually read them exactly. and go it sits okay. next to my desk it's, they, wow. it's always an arm's reach away okay and yeah it's very treasured that's lovely uh, is there a book that's influenced you the most you mentioned mm. the Rory Sutherland book is there Rory another Sutherland one Rory Sutherland book is, uh, is you know, it's one I'm reading right now so yeah. probably affected by some recency bias but um, <laughs> there's a very good book which everyone in marketing should read yeah. is uh, called How Brands Grow by Byron Sharp okay. I'm struck slightly by actually how little marketing skills modern marketers have so a lot of digital marketing is actually trading right it's you're looking at Google Analytics you're go- mm. looking at Google AdWords and you're going oh that one seems to be working. Let's put some more budget into that. Yeah, and it, it, there's there's often a step that's missing, which is what is our best chance yeah. of a customer choosing us versus choosing a standing lamp from Made yeah. or choosing a plant from a competitor or going to the garden centre, and that's that's marketing, right? And uh, Byron Sharp talks a lot about these two principles. Um, one is about mental availability and physical availability. So okay. the idea that you know you need to be the brand that's at the top of consumer's mind when they're in category so what do you, what is the sum of all of your efforts oh, yeah. sorry what are all the efforts that are going to contribute to patch in our case being the brand that people think of and you know use that to inform your marketing so how are you going to cut through and there's a load of uh, we're going to it now you should go and read it um if you're listening but um load of different ways that you should you yeah should, you should be able to deliver on that mental availability the other is physical availability which is obviously very hard for a brand that's digital uh, in our case, is that, you know, when a customer is in market, are you easy to find? Yeah. So that's like classically in FMCG, in fast-moving consumer goods, is, you know, if you're looking for toothpaste, can you see it at shelf, right? Yeah. And you just get dominated by Colgate. So Colgate yeah. has very good physical availability. In our case, uh, we're not, we, you can't find us in plant shops, you can't find us in Sainsbury's or wherever it might be, but we do show up on Google very well. So we do have very good physical availability okay. online. Yeah. But it's... Um, it's, you know, something on my mind, right, in terms of how the brand might grow. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of kind of 
guff in marketing. Definitely. And actually, there's like the principles that Byron Sharp talks about. They're not they're not always perfect, and there's definitely debate around them. But it's probably been the most formative yeah. book in terms of how I've developed as a as a brand guy. Is it an old book? Is it a new book? Or it's probably 10, 15 years okay. old. It still say. holds up. Yeah, still holds up. There's a and he's you know as you would you've got a successful book. He's you know kind of brought out a couple of okay. edited and updated versions of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll look out for that one. And then finally, mm. do you have a personal motto? Or is there a mantra at, at Patch that works that, that people are kind of keep in mind? Or both? Um, I do subscribe to this Richard Branson quote, which is, um, say yes and work out how later. Or a version of that, right? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. I'm, I'm not kind of uh, conveying it in, too incorrectly. But um, that is the idea, especially when you're early stage, right? Yeah. And you're when you don't even know really what you're building. And you know, a lot of people think, I know what I'm building. I know what the, yeah. the proposition is. And they go off on a route. And actually the, the market wants something different. And, you know, you need to keep that open mind and be open to testing, you know, to, to trying things out. And that's not always perfect when you're, at, you know, later down the track. Like actually you need to be very disciplined at saying no to things, mm-hmm. right? But when you're early on, saying yes and working out how is, is I think, is a, is a great motto. In our case, I once uh, polished a balcony or like kind of uh, <laughs> laid down uh, a wood lacquer on a balcony. Wow. Because the guy's like, I'm going to buy some plants, but you, you'll lacquer the, the wood of my balcony. I was like, of course. Yeah, that's <laughs> Of course I do. know how to do that. We do it for I've, everyone. I've done it, I've done it hundreds of times, you know, and <laughs> I, was, I was there lacquering his wow. balcony. Was it okay? I've never... I've never sweated so much in my life. Wow. It was incredible exercise. Uh, so I'd recommend it. Maybe okay. there's a gap in the market for it because we, we don't offer that service anymore. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but that was one of those examples. Where Fine. Like, okay, Branson. Okay, I hear you. I'm going to say yes to this. Brilliant. Say yes and work out how I love it. Freddie, thank you so, so much for, for coming on Gentleman's Journal podcast. It's been wonderful. Great thank fun. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Enjoyed it a lot. Absolutely. And thanks to the scaffolders as well for their lively contributions. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you enjoyed that episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you'll almost certainly love the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.